the criminal trial of the criminal defendant, the Trump Organization, began in Manhattan State Court today. Justice Clarence Thomas grants a temporary emergency stay of the subpoena for Lindsey Graham to testify before the Fulton County Special Grand Jury about his involvement in January 6th. But I'll tell you why I think you don't need to worry there. And there is record-breaking early voter turnout across the country, and in particular in swing states by Democratic-leaning voters. Ignore Republican efforts to suppress your votes with their BS polls and other fear tactics and vote, vote, vote. All they have is fear and lies. Speaking of fear and lies, Ted Cruz, the embodiment of that, gets mocked and booed at the Yankee game. And (laughs) the debate between MAGA Republican Ron DeSantis and pro-democracy candidate Charlie Crist is taking place right now as we are recording this on the Midas Touch I think Crist has handed it to him, too. Charlie Crist is an expert uh, debater. He is an expert. I mean, we've had him on the Midas Touch podcast, and we talked about it after we've interviewed him before. We were like, okay, he gives... Like the way his answers are just crisp. <laughs> well, you know, he he's a real, he's a consummate professional, right? Like the guy's been doing it for a while. He really knows the game. He's really bright. He's really sharp on policy. He just knows what he's doing at the end of the day. And I hate this whole idea. And I'm not going to say it's by any means an easy race. It's of course an incredibly hard race, but sure. I hate this idea that, that DeSantis is like some infallible figure, which is what the Republicans try to put out there. And even the media tries to put out there. We forget that the race in 20, 20- 18 in the Florida gubernatorial election was 49.6% Ron DeSantis to 49.2% Andrew Gillum. It was that close. It was that close. And I feel like nobody ever speaks about that. Everybody thinks that DeSantis like just ran over the Democrats in the last election. We need to fight for all these seats. And the only reason that we're going to lose seats like that is if we give up before it even starts. Let's fight people. Let's do this. You got this defeatist attitude that's intentionally being spread by mainstream media. It needs to stop. It's a cousin, if you will, of the both sides-ism journalism out there as it gets closer to just anytime Democrats are in the lead, it's always like, oh, it's just a little bit of, you know, it's like not even that good news. Like, oh, but the Republicans have this. Anytime Republicans are in the lead, it's like <laughs> shock poll. They are crushing it. It is over. The Democrats like, oh, right. Like, can like, can we talk about the, can we, give me the data and we're going to give you the data. Oh, we got here. the data today, big bro. We've got, we've got data. And Jordy, you've got back from the White House. Give Tell us briefly about your trip oh. to the White House. And then I want to bring our viewers and listeners into the Charlie Crist uh, DeSantis debate. Jordy. So look, it was such an honor to be invited to the White House to hear about the latest initiatives and, and plans to help the American people. It's clear that the folks over at the White House have taken notice of this unapologetically pro-democracy movement. And I just feel like For far too long, like the only folks who have had access to the White House have been like the corporate media. And this is the first White House to actually acknowledge the power of new media 
and independent creators like Midas Touch. They understand that our reach is often even greater than the mainstream media's reach. And accordingly, they're trying to bring new media creators into the fray to even the playing field. So I received an official White House tour, which was awesome. I got to see the official presidential and first lady portraits. Epic. And then the day concluded with surprise appearances from the second gentleman and the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain. And look, I flew back late Friday evening, even more energized than ever to just continue to push democracy forward with each and every one of you here. So a huge shout out to the Midas Mighty. Thank you for making this trip possible. And let's just keep going. Jordy, sounds like it is a great trip. And now I want to, speaking of a great trip, bring our viewers into the debate right now. Let's take you into Florida. What's going on in the Charlie Crist, Ron DeSantis debate? I want to show you some of the highlights so far. And this is the highlight where during the debate, Charlie Crist took on DeSantis's mismanagement of COVID response in Florida. Can we play that clip, Brett? Satisfied with my approach, I would have listened to scientists, unlike the governor. You know, he wants to talk about how we reopened this and we reopened that. You can keep things reopened, but you got to do it with an eye toward what health care providers tell you. Not being arrogant, so arrogant that you won't listen to their advice about when masks are appropriate and later on when they probably are not, like now. We don't need them now. But you take a common sense approach and you do what's right. Ron, I wouldn't pat yourself on the back too much about your response to COVID. We've lost 82,000 of our fellow Floridians. And when you look at the Thanksgiving table, one of those empty seats is probably one of those people for many families watching tonight. And if we had only had the standard of other states in the United States, 40,000 of those people would still be alive, enough to fill Tropicana Stadium in St. Petersburg. That's tragic. That's time. I thought that was a, a really, really powerful moment right there by Chris. And it's important that we draw these contrasts. I think for far too long, Democrats get scared of their own shadows. I mean, we saw this with the Affordable Care Act back in the day, and we see this even right now with the way that COVID was managed and the way that we're managing a lot of the crises out there. Democrats sometimes get scared. They want to run away from the choices they made, choices that were the right choices at the time. The only choice that, the only reasonable choice choice that could be made. And so here you have Chris rightfully calling out DeSantis for flat out ignoring the pandemic, basically, basically using the Donald Trump approach of, oh, well, let's just have everybody get COVID and to devastating consequences. The COVID rates in Florida are far greater than like in, in California when it comes to deaths per capita. It is absolutely a disgrace what DeSantis did there. And Florida actually lost. I mean, we put it in perspective of voters as what we talked about before, they lost more people than the voters that DeSantis actually won his election by. And by putting it in those frameworks about Tropicana Stadium, being able to fill up that stadium and more, it, it's a really evocative image that you have Chris, uh, you know, evoking there. And I think it's just a really important contrast to make with DeSantis. And the, and the point of you're patting yourself on the back, like you did this great job. This is a national tragedy, a state tragedy. Mm -hmm. We're talking about 82,000 people or so died dead as a result of DeSantis's mismanagement. I want to now show you this other clip where uh, Charlie Crist takes on uh, this BS uh, being spewed by DeSantis and others, frankly, about what's being taught in the schools. I think Charlie Crist takes it head on and does a great job. Let's play this clip. 
That's wrong. You're seeing that. You have people that are teaching, uh, and actually his running mate has said this in the past, that teaching the United States was built on stolen land. That is inappropriate for our schools. It's not true. Uh, and I'm happy that we're going to be able to have accurate history, and we're going to make sure that we honor those who have sacrificed so that we can be free. Congressman, you have 30 seconds. I'm sorry. 30, 30 seconds, Thank you. Well, listen, here he goes again. I mean, he keeps going back to this stuff. These outrageous, radical kind of comments that have nothing to do with reality. He says they're teaching this in other schools in other states. This is Florida. You're the governor of Florida right now. You won't even say if you want to be the governor of Florida after this election. But you are right now. And you need to be focused on what's happening in our schools. Our schools are doing a decent job, and they're not teaching hate. They're teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. They're doing it with good teachers, but you don't respect them, and that's why they're fleeing our schools. We need a governor who cares about education. We're going to move on to our education. next question. We got, a, we got a, rowdy, a rowdy crowd over there tonight. But I like that. You know, to me, that's, ex that, that's, what, that's what it should be. You know, people should hear from both candidates like that, and they should really, you know, judge for themselves. And I like there that Charlie Crist pointed out that actually the radical idea is what you're saying, DeSantis, because you're literally mm -hmm. making up things. You are lying. He is inventing his own history, DeSantis. And it, it's the problem whenever you hear somebody like a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump say, we need to teach accurate history. We need to teach patriotic history. That should immediately go off in your head. Red flag, red flag. You know the emojis, how people do in the, the tweets? That should be red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Because the coded language that they are using there is that they actually want to erase our history. Right. And you saw Ron DeSantis right there try to erase an incredibly important part of our history. I mean, in order to accurately tell American history, you have to confront our past. And you have to be able to confront even uncomfortable parts of our past. And for DeSantis to say, and they want to teach that we are on stolen land and that is inaccurate. I mean, you have to at least acknowledge that fact. I, I mean, that is a fact of American history. I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis, that that doesn't compute with you. That is not spreading hate. That is telling an accurate retelling of history. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to do that. And so I'm happy that, this, that, uh, that Chris right here is actually standing up for education. I think Democrats should be running on education because you have the other party like DeSantis, who is actually banning math textbooks because he says they have CRT in them and banning history books because they actually teach about civil rights and because they actually teach about our history of slavery and what we did to Native Americans. These are all important parts of history that we shouldn't shy away from when we're speaking about American history. Yes, there are plenty of incredible parts of American history, but we need to teach both the good and the bad in order for people to have an accurate representation of what happened in our country. That's not hate. That is teaching an accurate version of American history. And Ron DeSantis and Republicans like him want to hide American history mm -hmm. from your kids. And I think that is just absolutely despicable. Don't you get the sense? I couldn't agree more, Brett, but don't you also get the sense here in the in this instance that DeSantis had no idea what he was walking into with this debate? Like, I feel like he thought he was just going to walk all over and bully Chris in this debate. But here Chris is coming with facts, standing his ground, acting strong. I mean, DeSantis is really just on his heels. He looks like a fighter that just got punched in the face in his days. He doesn't know what to do. 
So true, Jordy. And I encourage everybody who's watching this right now, when you hear Charlie Crist answer the questions, instead of looking at Charlie Crist, keep your eyes on Ron DeSantis and watch him squirm because DeSantis is actually not very good at confronting people one-on-one. He's good at bullying people when he has a microphone and there's somebody in the press who doesn't have a microphone who's sitting in front of him. He's happy to, you know, use the power of the microphone and bully them and walk all over them when he's actually put next to somebody and is actually forced to stand toe-to-toe with somebody based on his ideas on a level playing field. He falters. He looked weak as hell out there tonight. The one part I would only disagree with you, Jordy, is there's a reason why he only wanted to have one You always got to disagree with me. Well, never I think that Brett. DeSantis, you always disagree with me. I don't believe that DeSantis thought he was going to be able to bully Charlie Crist. I think DeSantis knows deep down inside and, and not that far deep that he's a phony. He, he He's a true phony in every aspect of, of, of his tough guy image. He's not. I mean, he was a clown Congress member yeah. and known as a clown Congress member uh, before he took a lot of these you know, extremist positions to try to cuddle up with Trump. And he had a run on that stupid uh, commercial litter. Remember how he ran in, in the Andrew Gilbert? To build the wall he ad? He did a, he did a ad with his kid and goes, I'm going to build a wall like Donald Trump built it. And he goes, yes, son, we're going to build it like Donald Trump. And so he had to kiss ass, not kick ass, to mm-hmm. get his job. And speaking about even if he wants this job, this was a – Great moment, I thought, from the uh, the debate where Charlie Chris just poses the question. So are you even going to be our governor if you win? Play the clip. Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused. But you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. Oh, my God. I like I'm cringing just watching that. And that's why I encouraged you before to watch DeSantis's face. Look how uncomfortable he is when he is confronted with very basic things, very basic questions. And I think there you have Chris appropriately calling DeSantis out for exactly what he's doing. He really doesn't care about Florida. He is using Florida, DeSantis is using Florida right now simply as a stepping stone to try to get to the presidency. That's all he cares about. No matter what you hear from DeSantis out of his mouth, The only thing that he cares about is power, and he wants to be president of the United States. That's why you see the rift. That's why you see him attack Trump occasionally. That's why you see Trump on Truth Social starting to attack him back for little things here and there, because everybody knows all Chris cares about is the presidency. So that was an appropriate question. And once again, he left DeSantis just speechless there on his toes, not knowing what to say whatsoever, made him look like a weak, total clown. Feels like one of those cartoons, like when, when um, back in the day, when they would like step on whatever it's called, the rake, and the rake would hit the guy in the face. And you just and like, like stunned? Yeah, just stunned <laughs> and the birds would be chirping. I mean, that's what DeSantis looks like right now. I agree with you there, Jordy. I totally oh, agree with you. <laughs> Ben's going to start sentences from now on. You know what, Jordy? I really agree with you. On no, I, you know what? I respect when he disagrees because, you know, it would be a boring show if we always said, I agree with you. So I respect that. I agree ben, with you. What a great just, argument that you to you've just made. You, you, ben, you I agree so with you agree. ben, I agree with you agreeing with Jordy. Great job. Jordy is so smart. <laughs> well, I drink the wine during the show. 
<laughs> yeah, what's up with this wine drinking during the show, Jordy? I mean, wine we're, drinking. We're, 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 we're working, baby. Now home it's, uh... stretch. Let's get it. <laughs> the home stretch. We're going to talk about some of the incredible record voting voter turnout in the home stretch, which is promising. But we got to keep it up. But first, I do want to talk about Donald Trump's, uh, the Trump Organization's criminal trial. Uh, unfortunately, not Donald Trump yet, but the Trump Organization, the company controlled by Donald Trump, uh, is a criminal defendant in a case in Manhattan State Court. Uh, this is a case where prosecutors allege that there was a 15-year scheme uh, by the Trump Organization to compensate its top executives off the books to help them avoid paying taxes. Uh, their former chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, pled guilty to over 15 felonies. He will be uh, testifying in this. He's the CFO. He's like the top executive other than Trump. 15 felonies. Just the um, gravity of that alone is not appreciated enough that the company of a former president of the United States is under criminal trial right now. Criminal and trial. The, and that the CFO of the company pleaded guilty. Like, like just that on its own is such a bombshell and is so historic. And we're just so numb to all the stories that we're like, yeah, okay, okay. Well, well not, you know, not a big we, deal. <laughs> I disagree with you there, Brett. I, I agree Ooh. and disagree with you. <laughs> Uh, I agree that I disagree that we are numb at the Midas Touch community, Correct. but I agree that the media is trying to make a general numbness to news like that. We need to be focused on it. As you said, Brett, this should be front page news every day. Trump organization is a criminal defendant. Where has that happened? Could you imagine if the Obama organization, what if there's a company called the Obama organization? Oh if Fox would be running trial. that into the ground every day. And by the way, they'd be right to. They'd, they'd be, be right absolutely to right to. But instead, you have CNN doing fluff pieces on, have you seen Donald Trump's new plane? We call it Trump Force One over here. What <laughs> oh, Do you that? see that? He refurbished the whole plane and ooh, he is ready to take off in jet. It's what like, has happened to like, CNN, what, man? What are you doing? What are you doing? Honestly, what are you doing? We always we say... But that's just wait. Let me just say for a second. Get it. When we say get it, get it. the mistakes of Donald Trump coverage from 2016, 2015, you know, around that era, it is not that they covered Donald Trump in general. That's not the problem because we need to cover Donald Trump as a danger, as a threat. We need to expose that threat. We need to condemn that threat. We need to make everyone. We need to make everyone know that this is an yep. extremist person who's going to have full control over your life, who is going to wreck your life. That is the threat that we need to sound. The problem with the coverage is that it was like that clip that we saw about the plane. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I don't have it right now, but look it up. You can see it was on CNN this weekend where they did a whole puff piece on Donald oh Trump's new new plane. We're like, oh plane. my God, I'll, I'll do a reenactment. Oh my God, are you aware that the Trump new plane, which is like as big as a as a jetliner, you know, a huge 747 that that it's it's been commissioned. Trump Force One. Oh my God, that's incredible. It's Trump Force One. This really shows his virality and his power. Wow, this shows what a powerful he's on the rebound. He's got his plane. Oh, and test flights have gone on all around. They're doing test flights. Did people saw the plane doing test flights? <laughs> and then they 
try to do all these like air puns or whatever, they were like, I guess it's time for takeoff. And it's like, oh, oh my God, what in the world segment is this? Like, like, but this is why Midas Touch Network, why our programming gets more views than like an afternoon CNN. Like there's a reason that, you know, the people are voting with where they want to consume media now. By just, okay, turning that off. We don't want to watch CNN. We want to watch the real news. But going back to Brett, you want to say anything there? You looked like you wanted to say something about it. No, no, no. I will, if I say anything off, off that comment, to piggyback off your comment, I got to say a huge thank you to the Midas Mighty because today we actually live streamed the Merrick Garland press conference today. And we actually got more viewers on our live stream of the Merrick press conference than CNN and all these cable stations actually get during their primetime block. So that's a huge accomplishment. And I just got to give a huge shout out to the Midas Mighty for tuning in and making that possible and coming to us for moments like that. And we'll be sure to, you know, provide you more access to moments like that as, you know, more things arise. No doubt about it. So today was jury selection in the Trump organization uh, criminal trial. About 132 jurors uh, showed up. It was cut in about half after uh, most of them just admitted to hating the Trump organization and Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, some of those Yorkers. comments were so funny. You had one of the jurors, I saw a quote, they were like, I'm going to be honest. There's no way I could be partial in this case. I hate the guy. <laughs> you get a lot of people and I respect them for their honesty, uh, to be honest. But uh, it's just funny to see that actually, you know, come out. And about 60 people uh, remain on the uh, on the juror. Um, uh, so what happens, just for people know, when you then kind of whittle it down from that first batch, this process is called voir dire by the way. And voir dire is a process where the lawyers get to ask uh, the the panel. Usually you call in, you know, 70, 150, you know, you ask questions to the panel. Right away, you can try to, you know, eliminate people, potential jurors, if they have bias um, or for cause. And then in addition to for cause challenge, you could have what's called peremptory challenges where you on your own, as long as it's not like a racially biased or unlawful reason, you can then pick jurors that you want to eliminate. So basically you first question the whole group of like 134 and then, you know, it's kind of cleared away. So whittle down to 60 of people who didn't say right away that they will be biased or they have some issue. Then you put 18 people in the box, the juror box. So, you know, usually you have 12 jurors, but then there's like alternate boxes as well. So you can get like 18 over there. The rest of the jurors still stay in the background. And then what you usually do is question the box of 18. And then if you, as you eliminate people, people who are then uh, in the crowd start coming in as more people are eliminated. And then what the what the lawyers want to do is ask the people in the box questions. And if they got through the first round, you want to then try to ask them questions to determine if they're still biased. And so you yeah. may basically say, hey, do you watch the, how many people here watch the news? And then people may raise their hand. And so you have coverage of uh, Trump. You've seen coverage of him. And when you watch that coverage, is there anything that you, that made you feel one way or another that this was either a great person or a horrible person? And then people will either not raise their hand or raise their hand. All right, juror number, whatever. Tell me, what do you think? I thought he was a horrible person in that. Now, will the fact that he was a horrible person in that incident, will you be able to be a fair and partial juror? And will you follow the instructions? Well, 
I'll try. But but do you think that you're just whatever that story is that you can't be a good juror in this case? Well, now that you say it, I think maybe I can't. All right, motion to get that juror off. I mean, and then Here's, a new person. That's that's the process. So people want to know what that's like. It's such an interesting process. And the thing that I always wondered with a lot of these cases is just being so in the weeds on everything and doing this every day. I can't imagine a person who doesn't have biases. <laughs> right? like, like, how could anybody in the entire world not know Donald Trump, not have an opinion one way or the other on his criminality or whatever? Like, I just don't even understand how it's possible. And maybe part of that's by design with with Trump's strategy. But I, tr I truly says. A layman. I don't even know how that happens. So Ben, I guess my question for you now is how long does this jury selection process go on for? When do we actually start seeing the trial trial? What what what's the what are the next steps? Well, Brett, to piggyback off that question, because I would imagine that it is nearly impossible to select this jury to 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 make sure that there is no bias. So yeah, Ben, how do they go about this knowing that there's literally coverage of the guy 24-7? And unless you've been living under a rock the past six years. I mean, you have to acknowledge this guy in some sort of way. Well, you think about it, you know, there have been other very high profile cases where, um, you know, you, you think about the Johnny Depp trial, or you think about the Bernie Madoff trial, or you think about, you know, going back to, uh, uh, the O.J. Simpson trial. I mean, I keep naming all these, you know, I, I could probably name a number of high profile cases where, you know, and this is among the most kind of high profile talked about person. But, you know, you can you could have read about it. You could know about the person. But the question is, is even if you feel a certain way, can you put those biases aside mm. and follow the law here is what you ultimately want to get at. Um, or can you not put those sides? So uh, there have been cases where criminal voir dires, you know, especially in like felony, you know, life prison cases can last yeah. like weeks, you know, and there are times when voir dire in a civil case can last like a day or two days. So um, I think this will still probably be, I'd be surprised if tomorrow in a felony case that the uh, yeah, that there's going to be a jury impaneled, but yeah. it looks like they are moving fast though. They got 60. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but the questioning can go very long. And then sometimes a juror will say, I don't want to share it publicly. So then you have to go in, you know, you go to the judge's chambers. There's a lot of that that could take a lot of time. What a process. This is why I can never be a lawyer. It sounds exhausting to me. I'll just, I'll just talk about this stuff with you. It's way easier. But well, I thought that's why I like talking about it with you. I mean, that's what I that's what I used to do all the time. And I'm like, you know that what? I like spending time with my brothers and the, and the Midas yeah, this Mighty. Is, this is I don't have to, put on, a, I don't have to put on a suit. And I can tell all the Midas Mighty about all the legal knowledge that I learned when I, when I used to do it all the time. But you know what? I, I'm, I like being in my living room recording it. Occasionally, <laughs> the, the, you know, the dogs will bark and, you know, that's the biggest drama in my day, but it uh, happens. What are you going to do? I, so here, here, here's another thing we found out today about this trial, possible witness list uh, coming out mm -hmm. and the possible witnesses for this trial include Ivanka Trump, Don Jr., Eric Trump, Alan Weisselberg, who we spoke about, members of Alan Weisselberg's family. Weisselberg will definitely testify. Yeah, well, Weisselberg is is definitely <laughs> expected to testify because he got a drastically reduced sentence, right, because he is testifying. Yep. I mean, he could have faced up to 15 years. He's only getting a five-month jail well, sentence. And his sentencing is being held temporarily in abeyance. He's not being – it's not fully in effect yet until he testifies. 
And and the I think the surprise name that we heard today from the witness pool is none other than the Midas Touch Network's Michael Cohen was Ooh. mentioned today. I think Cohen was even surprised to, to hear his name mentioned at all this. What did you make of that? You know, I I was, you know, it doesn't... It, it didn't surprise me. I mean, he worked with Trump for all the years. <laughs> it, it, was the least, it was the least surprising. I was more surprised that Cohen kept on calling me Bagel Ben on the uh, on our live broadcast, or Ben Bagel, or whatever he called me, because we're, both, we're both Long Islanders who like bagels. That's for people want to know why is Cohen calling you Bagel Ben. It's because we like, we like bagels. Um, but no, it didn't surprise me at all. Why would that be surprising? The guy was his lawyer for forever. Um, so it made sense to me. Um, but anyway, we'll keep you updated here, of course, on the Midas Touch Network and on our podcast about the developments in that case. And the final thing, though, in that case, that's different than the Letitia James civil lawsuit, which is focused on the false valuations that Trump would make about his properties. That's the minimum $250 million penalty. I was also, when Cohen was on the live, I was like, it's a $250 million fraud. It's like, I'm going to correct you. I got to correct you. I said, what's the, what are you correcting me? He pulled, like, it's he a pulled minimum. the bagel. It's a, minimum bagel of 250. it's a minimum of 250. It's a minimum of 250. Um, but that's a civil case that would shut the Trump or essentially shut the Trump organization down. And what everybody should be focused on there. And Jordy, was that was that finger up because you wanted me to toss it to you after I say this? Please, yes. Okay. Well, that's absolutely, Jordy. Not interrupt because I saw a comment that says, I hate when you interrupt Ben. Like it was very specifically directed at me. I think you wrote it. And so now I, I throw up my finger when I'm ready I appreciate ready to speak. it. So on October 31st in the Letitia James case, she's seeking a preliminary injunction uh, to uh, appoint an independent monitor, which in the ultimate irony is kind of like a special master. But here it's when you'd actually need to one, not like the BS one that Eileen Cannon appointed to look over executive privilege, which should not be a special master job. But the independent monitor, if appointed on October 31st, I don't think people realize it'll be Trump's biggest nightmare in the world. Like it's almost worse than the $250 million penalty because you're going to have some random independent accountant like sit next to him every time he fills out a financial form. So if he does a deal with the Saudis, if he does a deal with this bank or this bank, the independent monitor sits over, monitors every one of his financial filings. Like there could be nothing, like I'm telling you, it's almost worse if the independent monitor gets appointed than a $250 million verdict (laughs) because the impact of it is that he can't get away with his BS. Jordy. So Bagel Ben might actually stick. That that's an A plus nickname. So I just want you to be prepared for the minus minus. Is that continue. why you did that with the No, name? I did that because of all the craziness <laughs> that we've just talked about, whether it's Tish James or Weisselberg yeah. or whatever. I mean, there's not enough front pages to go around. It's part of the Trump strategy too to sort of dilute the lunacies of that he puts out into the earth. It's like he does so many crazy things and puts out so many illegalities and and is just such a horrible person all of the time that it's very difficult to track like what is the most important thing at the moment to be focused on? And that's what I think we do a good job here at the Midas Media Network to make sure that we're bringing you up to speed coverage on, on everything that you need to know. So take that moment and subscribe right now to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. That's why, though, the big lie as a uh, disinformation approach, why you lean in on it, because if the lie is a minor lie, or if the lie is just about something that obviously you know you would know is a lie, people would go, "Oh, that guy's a liar." I mean, whatever. But when it's 
you stole nuclear secrets. And then his response is, George H.W. Bush was hiding it in a Chinese laundromat, nuclear secrets. Nuclear secrets are everywhere. It's in a bowling alley slash Chinese laundromat. What are you talking about? a combination about? Taco it's Bell combination pizza. combination of it. It's such a re- – but it, it, to Jordy, to your point, that is what big lie is, mm. that it's such a ridiculous thing to say that his cult MAGA followers are like, well, who the hell would make something like that up? But that is the issue right there. The issue is – is that he is making it up. Right. It's not kept at a Chinese laundromat. The nuclear secrets aren't spread everywhere. Complete and utter um complete and utter BS, but that is the strategy. Jordy, you are this this episode could also be called Jordy is right. There we go. I like that title. Um, I want to talk about this Clarence Thomas uh Supreme Court justice who uh granted uh, the emergency stay motion by Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham was ordered by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals that, all right, your time's up. Uh, he tried to argue that under the Constitution's speech and debate clause, because he claimed his conduct in connection with the January 6th insurrection was legitimate legislative activity. Because I was just fact finding. I was just searching for the facts, even though I'm okay. a South Carolina senator. I was looking for what was going on with the Georgia secretary of state. And that's why I told the Georgia secretary of state, you know, maybe those votes that you counted, just, can we just set them aside? And Brad Raffensperger's already testified in front of this criminal investigation, special grand jury and said, basically like, like, no, like Lindsey Graham was extorting me. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in not so many words, but Raffensperger said, no, what was taking place here was I was being pressured to change the results of a free and fair election. And so Lindsey Graham, the, the speech and debate clause, it's it's just people don't really know about this provision or, or talk about the provision a lot. But because our founders believe that our members of Congress should not be like criminals, um, that we didn't want what, to what a novel chill. concept. <laughs> we didn't want to chill or stop them from debating things in a difficult like difficult issues and controversial issues on the floor without fearing or with fearing being sued. So we wanted to eliminate them fearing like if they engage in their job as members of Congress that they'll be sued or questioned. So they basically have this immunity called the speech and debate clause. But there's a case called United States versus Gravel, um, which says, okay, the speech and debate clause is not limitless. Like if the conduct itself is not legitimate legislative activity, or if you're engaged in exhorting, cajoling, or like pressuring people to do illegal stuff, or you're speaking to the press, that's no longer legitimate legislative Sounds activity. Sounds a little like a crime fraud uh, exemption for uh, members of Congress. You see, you're huh? learning. You're like the, you're, you're learning with the Midas mighty. How do you think I do in law school at this point from your, just like straight, I think I do pretty well just based on our conversations on a daily basis. I, I think, mean, you know, we you know how to read the pleadings now, but that's why I make the videos. Like if you want to stop watching my videos after minute eight or minute 10, you can, but I think you're really missing out on some of the great stuff, which is where I really explain the legal concepts because when we took, Jordy, what's the smile that you do? No, no, no. You're fantastic. Keep going. Thank you. Because if you just talk about the ruling <laughs> about what took place, um, with the 11th circuit and what Clarence Thomas did, you don't really understand like what, like what's really going on here. So after the 11th circuit agreed with the district court and said, Lindsey Graham, you need to testify on these categories 
of, uh, of topics that are not legitimate legislative activities. He filed an emergency application to the United States Supreme Court. Um, Clarence Thomas is the Supreme Court judge who oversees the 11th Circuit. So a Supreme Court judge is assigned to different circuits, like Amy Coney Barrett, Comey Barrett, she's assigned to the Seventh Circuit. Alito's the Fifth Circuit. Different judges get different circuits. So if you make an emergency application for a Supreme Court judge in a circuit to like temporarily stop something, and it's really only temporary, you make it to that Supreme Court judge. That's why Clarence Thomas is the one who heard this. And Clarence Thomas said, Fulton County, you will have until October 27th to respond. And so when Clarence Thomas granted the stay of Lindsey Graham, it's until there are further orders. So he's just stopping the enforcement of the subpoena for Lindsey Graham to testify until he makes a ruling on the speech and debate clause issue. And the 11th Circuit already, the Court of Appeals, the panel was two Trump appointed judges and one Clinton, and they reached a per curiam decision also. And remember, when it came to the Mar-a-Lago search emergency application to Clarence Thomas, he referred that to the full Supreme Court after briefing and they denied it. So the fact that he granted this motion for stay, it's temporary. Yeah. When I will get alarmed is if he actually grants the motion after full briefing until what would be called certiorari, until the full court can hear it in a normal oral argument. Brett or George? Well, I'll be, I, I, I'll be honest. Like when I heard this news, I was, I, I was pissed off. I, I was incredibly furious. I was angry. How could Clarence Thomas do this? This is BS. Then I spoke to Ben. Ben talked me off the ledge a little bit on this one. Um, a little so bit. I'm a little, a little concerned. Bit. So, so, you know, still a little concerned, but but I, you know, I, I think that you know, I think your level-headedness that this is really just the normal part of the process helps. You know, now, on the other hand, what I still, what still really makes me incredibly angry is that Clarence Thomas has any say in any of these matters whatsoever. I mean, this is a guy who is directly related to the efforts to overturn the 2020 election via his wife, Ginny Thomas. He has a personal and vested interest in hiding these cases from the public. So whether this is the right decision or the wrong decision, and I, I understand that this is the, just kind of the process, it's temporary, it's fine, it's nothing to worry about yet. Um, the, the thing that really bothers me is that a judge, a justice, if there is even a hint of impropriety there, they should recuse themselves from any case. And how is there not just glaring, 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 glaring problems here with Clarence Thomas handling any cases related to efforts to overturn the election? It's just that's what's ridiculous to me and makes me angry. So his wife either directly communicated with Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. or indirectly communicated with Lindsey Graham about these issues because the topics are the fake electors and Ginny Thomas was involved in the fake electors. So whether it was a direct communication or an indirect, she was involved in it. Now, normally in federal courts, judicial canons, that would be a conflict of interest, except for the Supreme Court, which self-regulates its own uh, recusals. So they decide on their own recusals and they're not guided by the judicial canons that regulate generally other federal judges. Now, if you file a recusal motion with a federal judge, they still hear their own recusal. But if they have like a wife who is involved in it, 
they're supposed to recuse themselves. That's one of the areas like where you would recuse yourself. That's why in federal cases, as a lawyer, you have to file what's called a notice of interested parties at the beginning of the lawsuit, which lists that so that the judges can make their conflicts checks. Now, the notice of interested parties here would be his wife and and he should recuse himself. And And that is, Brett, the fact that he's even making any rulings, even to say Department of Justice or rather uh, Department of Justice in the Trump case, Fulton County here, hmm. Respond on this date, dude. You should just be quiet. Like, get at it. Like, don't even be involved in this whatsoever. But Brett, great, great, great point. I want to move on to the record-breaking early voter turnout by Democrats, and I want to focus on the data here. I've been boring people with my legalese, Brett. You want to jump into some of this early voter turnout statistics? Let me break out some statistics for you, y'all. And I'm excited to share these. And I don't say these things to spread false hope in any way. I just want to let you know that there are good signs out there on the ground and make you understand that every single vote counts and the polls have not gotten it wrong a single second in this post-row, post-January 6th world. And it's important that we all understand that. As we all know, early voting is now underway in at least 34 states and D.C. And get this, ready? According to the U.S election projects. More than 8 million people have voted already right now, either in person or by mail. And some states have already smashed their early voting records that were sent in the pre- that were in this presidential election of 2020. This midterm election, they are smashing the records set in the presidential election in 2020. And that is absolutely unprecedented. And here are some of the stats. And as we know, increased voter turnout typically benefits the Democrats. And we actually have data to back that up as well. So in Georgia this weekend on one day alone, I believe it was Saturday, more than 80,000 voters showed up to the polls. And that is a 159% increase from the same day of early voting four years ago. So midterm to midterm. Let's move on to North Carolina, where absentee ballot requests are up 114% compared with requests from 2018, according to the Board of Elections there. And in Florida, we have the total early vote up 50% compared with the early vote in 2018. So election experts at this point are saying that the signs suggest that the overall turnout is going to be incredibly strong because early vote turnout is already incredibly strong. Now, Looking like Kansas, that, huh? A little bit Kansas. A little bit like Kansas. And, and, and I want to make a, a, a Kansas, I'll, I'll go to Kansas in a second because I think it's really important <laughs> that we go back to Kansas. And I pulled up the data on this. We sent a tweet out about it yesterday. And I think it's important that people understand this. So what a lot of people are also saying, and I encourage also people to listen to the episode on this podcast we did on on the Mighty, which we do during midweek. We spoke to Santiago Mayor. Santiago runs an organization called Voters of Tomorrow that is focused on the youth vote. And he was telling us then that this election could actually be decided based on how many young people turn out. So if you know of young people in your life, make sure they go to the polls because here are the numbers that we're seeing for young people. Youth turnout is actually currently exceeding 2018 numbers and 2018 actually still holds the record for youth turnout in a midterm election. And according to CBS News, if the youth are able to match the turnout 
in 2018, that would actually put Democrats in the House at 219 seats if they're able to reach that level. Another reason why it is so important that young people get to the polls and how these things can be decided on a dime. And you could still look at it, you know, overall and say, oh, well, this, the percentage of young voters compared to older voters, it's so different. And older voters vote in much greater percentages, but it's really not about those comparisons. It's just about how many young people show up. More old people could, more older people could show up too. But as long as more young people show up, that's a huge, huge, huge thing. Also, we keep seeing now, and I've seen it over the past few days, all these polls coming out that are just totally oversampling Republicans. They're coming from GOP pollsters. They're coming from sketchy pollsters. And Simon Rosenberg, who's a Democratic political strategist, he pointed this out also. He's been following the polls. In national polling that they're doing in these polls of polls, the real real clear politics polling averages and stuff, there are about five to six GOP polls that they're factoring in for every Democratic poll into those averages. So the numbers are just skewed right there. And we just can't ignore ignore that at the time. And when we compare the data right now from 2020 to 2022 of how many Democrats have voted, how many Republicans have voted, the Democrats have actually increased their turnout at this point. I think that's also incredibly important to say. Now, I said I was going to bring up Kansas. This is why I want to bring up Kansas, because right before the Kansas vote happened, I wanted to look up what's the state of this election. What are the voters in Kansas thinking? And for all you who know, Kansas has a constitutional right in their state constitution to an abortion. That was decided by the Supreme Court, upheld by the Supreme Court. And so what ended up happening at the end of the day was you had Kansas voters on the ballot voting for a a piece on the ballot that would say, we are going to eliminate the constitutional right to an abortion in Kansas. Yes, you do want to eliminate the constitutional right, or no, you do not want to eliminate the constitutional right. And it's important that we talk about the numbers. Let me see if I could find the numbers here. So this is the this was the poll that I found, and this is the poll that 538 was speaking about leading up to that election that everybody was going off and was going nuts over. It was a poll by a group called Coefficient, and here were the numbers. Coefficient asked, do you support the amendment? to remove the constitutional right to an abortion. And here were their results. Yes, remove the constitutional right, 47%. No, do not remove the constitutional right, 43%. So yes, 47, no, 43. The actual election results are staggering when you look at them compared to what the polling (laughs) said. The actual election results was yes, 41. Remember, the polls said yes, 47 and no won with 59%. That's compared to no losing at 43%. So 47 to 43 versus 41 to 59. That could not have been more off. And that's why it's important that we all realize that these polls don't vote. The only poll that matters is the one that you show up to on election day or the one where you send your ballot in by mail or put it in a Dropbox. That's what matters. And we have the capability right now and we have the power to prove all these pollsters wrong again, just like we proved them wrong in Kansas, just like we proved them wrong in New York. We could do that and emulate that around the country because Mm -hmm. they are simply not factoring in the enthusiasm that Democrats have had. They are not factoring in this GOP extremism, the fact that there was an insurrection against the United States, the fact that Roe happened. And by nature of polls, they also oversampled GOP people and more conservative people in general, because who is answering the phone on polls? Who has, I don't even have a landline. 
That's I a don't great know, point. I don't even know anybody close to me who has a landline at this point. And that's how a lot of these polls are conducted. So once again, that's not- Brett, any- they are conducted with an agenda. And when you and I, we were talking about this the other day before uh, some of the stories came out that these are very GOP skewed polls. I was like, because I kept on looking at it and I'm like, so is that one of their new tactics now, right now? Like mm-hmm. they're just going to put out a bunch of their <laughs> GOP polls, like one after another. And then that like polls of that political poll Twitter handle, like tweets it out. And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> like, and I, I clicked through it because I'm like, who's saying this? I'm like, who are, <laughs> who are these people? Um, and they're like Republic doing polls for Republican strategists. Jordy, you putting the finger up. What's up? No, honestly, and, and quite frankly, it's a good strategy on their part because what they're trying to do is they're trying to rally up those doom and gloom Democrats that look at that polls that don't then go and do the research and see who's conducting these polls to think it's over before the game's even started. Polls well, don't vote. People vote. And something we say here on the show quite often is like this pro-democracy choir we saw in Kansas, this pro-democracy choir, this unapologetically pro-democracy choir sings loud, sings louder than this fascist choir. And if we could get all our people to sing, whoo, you won't even be able to hear these fascists come the midterms. I mean, the fact is, is that there are more of us than there are them. I mean, that that's just the raw numbers. It's true. If we show, if, if, if all Democrats show up and all Republicans show up, it's a blowout for Democrats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, well, it's a in blowout favor towards, in favor of Democrats, I should specify. So I mean, I think that's important that we all know when we go to the polls. And it reminds me of, I, I think, Everybody basically knows the concept of a push poll. And if you don't, a push poll is basically a BS poll designed by polling entities or strategists, Republican, Democratic strategists, whoever. And they present a question in a certain way with the goal of influencing your opinion. They don't care about the data that is derived from such a poll. They care about influencing your opinion. So they might say, they may say, would you vote for Jordy Micellis if you knew that he was under criminal indictment and he was the most corrupt person in America? Now, that right there just is designed to plant the seed in someone's head and say, oh, my God, is this guy corrupt? Is this guy what's 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 going on? What's what, what's that about? That's the pure reason for using that. They don't care about your yes or no answer. It is purely to spread disinformation. And I think a lot of these polls, it's not necessarily a push poll, but I think they are suppression polls and they are designed to suppress the vote. They are designed to keep Democrats home. And I think we need to be aware of that and we need to be able to overcome that because as we've seen time and time again, the entire Republican strategy, and this is from directly from Donald Trump, is a form of gaslighting. It's yep. almost a fake it till you make it, right? It's how Donald Trump built his whole career. I'm the richest. I'm the most powerful. I'm the best. That, you, you repeat the big lies over and over and over and over and over again, and you hope that you're able to take reality. Basically, you hope that you're able to manifest reality in that yep. way. We see the Republicans do it with every single issue. They do it right now with their fake bravado around these polls. I promise you the Republicans are just as scared as the Democrats are right now about these upcoming midterm elections, but they're going to put on a facade that they are psyched up, that they are definitely going to win. We're going to crush you. You don't even stand a chance. Don't even try. And why do they do that? Because they hope that you believe them so much that you stay home. So don't let that happen. It's an excellent point. I just don't understand why you had to use me as the example of the person being on the criminal indictment. Ben, you got something to say. <laughs> so good. We still have much more to discuss. We got to talk about Ted Cruz. We got to talk about Marco Rubio. Some real interesting news there. But I also want to speak to our viewers and our listeners right now. Um, if you want to support this unapologetically pro-democracy 
uh, media company, but really more than a company, community, I think is the better word here. Um, you can do that by joining us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. You know, our competitors, the both sidesism media, the uh, pro-fascist media, they are funded by billions of dollars. We are not. We don't have a single investor. <laughs> so we are powered by democracy and we are purely fueled by you. And no matter where you live in the world, you can help grow this media community. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Now, what will you get at patreon.com slash Midas Touch? There is a number of exclusive membership packages there that you can join, and there are different tiers. There's one tier, for example, where you could become an honorary producer of this very podcast, and your name will appear as it's appearing right now this is for growing. our YouTube watchers, as well as at the end of the podcast, you'll also get a post commemorating that you are an honorary producer. And there are other tiers where you can get postcards for me and my brothers. You can get exclusive behind the scenes podcast features, exclusive podcast Q&As with uh, me and my brothers. There's a lot of great stuff there. You can check it out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. But I think also most importantly, it's a way that it would be really helpful. It's really helpful for us to grow this community if you did that. So if you're wondering, what can I do, guys? How can I help? That's what you can do. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. I also want to tell you to go to store.midastouch.com for the best unapologetic pro-democracy gear. And I'm getting word from Jordy right now that there is a flash sale that is now live. So I'll 30% speak this real quick off because 30, I've been 30. awfully quiet this episode and I've been quiet for a reason. I've been working behind the scenes. Guys, we're running a flash sale on our Row, Row, Row Your Vote t-shirts and our Rovember t-shirts. So get those right now at store.midastouch.com. The brothers, frankly, had no idea I did this. And we love y'all. This is 30% off. Go grab it right now. It really helps us out and also really helps spread this super important message. What's at stake this November, which is Rovember. So go to store.midastouch.com. 30% off. Oh, wow. Let's go. Uh, store.midastouch.com. And I also want to talk to you about something that I think is very, very, very important, and that is our mental health. Um, you know, and I think it's important that in these times and, and, and in general, that we can pause and we can, you know, reflect and when, when we need it, you know, we should feel good and comfortable about having therapy, you know, and I want to say that I get therapy because it's helpful when I'm doing all these videos and I'm working really hard. Um, it is, it is so helpful to me, um, because life doesn't come with its own user manual sometime. And sometimes you just need to speak to people about important issues and about your life and about all issues in generals. And because life doesn't come with a user manual, manual when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. And navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. And for me, with the busy schedule that I have, and you all know, because I see the comments where you ask, Ben, are you okay? And and, and you're working really hard. <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> for me, I go to BetterHelp. Um, BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people, count me as one of those 3 million people, with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere. It is 100% online, and it's been hugely helpful to me and all of the work that I'm doing You know, since um, I've been working with BetterHelp over the past year plus. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available. It's 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms. There is no traffic. There's no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Midas. That's betterhelp.com slash Midas. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash Midas. Want to talk, Brett and Jordy, about... Ted Cruz getting booed at the Yankee game. Oh, yo, that's what I call oh. a New York welcome for Ted. What what would you think about it, Brett? I mean, it was one of my favorite things on the planet. First, you know, it made me really proud to be a New Yorker. Made me really proud to be a New Yorker to see that sort of response. And I think that's why you so often don't see people like a Ted Cruz actually leave their bubbles. They pretend that they're universally beloved across the country and that people like their policies. And they put on this tough guy bravado, this tough guy shtick, this, oh, I'm masculine, I'm tough. Da, da, da. They get onto the real world. They get to face New Yorkers, and all of a sudden, not so tough anymore. So I thought it was well-deserved, first of all. I think he had it coming, and I don't know who the hell let him go to this game, sit behind the dugout, or sit behind home plate the entire time. And, you know, he's constantly putting on a show so much that he was there theoretically to show support for the Astros, uh, you know, from Houston, Texas, where Ted Cruz is apparently from, not Cancun, for those of you who get confused. But in this scenario, there was even one clip, if you could find it somewhere, I encourage you guys to look this up. There was one clip where he accidentally applauded for the Yankees because he's just trying to put on a show there. And you see him start getting up and start clapping. And then he looks around and he's like, oh shit, oops, my, my bad. I see some uh, of the comments there saying, do you have a clip of Ted Cruz being booed? Well, we, we do. Can <laughs> we can play it. I tried to. I tried to put it on YouTube, but the YouTube uh, would not let that happen. So just imagine a number of uh, fans all giving him the middle finger and saying you're an effing racist, you're an effing traitor, you, you know, and, and and all of that. So didn't make it past the YouTube censors, even when we tried to censor it. But uh, you can do a quick <laughs> sleeps on it. We like we really tried to be able to show it to y'all tonight, but they would just not allow it. Not allow it. And then Brett, this Marco Rubio uh, story is uh, kind of just typical, like Republicans coming up with. Uh, they're kind of BS stories that I guess they don't think that people are going to like actually look into it. So Rubio posted on his Twitter handle. He goes, last night, one of our canvassers wearing my T-shirt and a DeSantis hat was brutally attacked by four animals who told him Republicans weren't allowed in their neighborhood. 
He suffered internal bleeding, a broken jaw, and will need facial and reconstructive surgery. And of course, um, we would never, ever, ever advocate for violence in any form. And we strongly condemn anyone who resorts to political violence in any form whatsoever. And so I do not want to make light in any way of people who are attacked or hurt or, or injured. That is completely unacceptable. Here, the story under further scrutiny appears to have been entirely made up. And the man accused of uh, apparently attacking the Rubio staffer, it completely differs from the senator's account, uh, number one. But it turns out that the um, individual as well, who was uh, the person referenced in this tweet, is believed to be someone who refers to themselves as a uh, was a, as a Cuban Confederate and a known white supremacist. Um, Brett, can you tell us more about uh, this? I think this individual was part of the white supremacist group, the League of the South, and was at the 2017 Charlottesville saying they will not replace us. What else do we know about this? Yeah, well, we know that Marco Rubio appears to be a complete another liar and that Fox News and the right wing media ecosystem has already started going with the story full blast because they don't give a damn about the truth. They are fine to put disinformation out there and occasionally they will make a correction at a off hour of the day in about 10 seconds and then move on to the next story or they will never even go back to the story whatsoever. So we we actually saw this, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, there was the guy who was finally indicted for he, he staged this whole scene at his house where he like wrote Antifa was here right. or something you remember that on his garage right. and it came out it was bull, that Ben Shapiro went on like Laura Ingram's show and it talked about it and they spoke about oh look at the evil left da 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 completely made up a total bullshit yeah the totally person wrote story. Antifa themselves and then burned their own car and then blamed it on uh, for being a Trump supporter like totally contrived and, and does Fox or Ben Shapiro ever go back and say, you know what, guys, I was wrong about that one? No, no, it, it doesn't happen because it's just dishonest propaganda networks and they'll put out the lies, but they'll never correct it with the truth or at least they'll never correct it with the same uh, ferocity that they put the lie out there with. And so that's already become true in Republican circles. So here you have uh, this guy, his name is Christopher, I believe it's Monzon, Monzon. He's walking by Amelia Earhart Park in Florida Sunday night. And according to the Miami Springs Republican Club and according to Marco Rubio, he was attacked by a group of at least four people. And it was a politically motivated attack because he was a Republican wearing a Marco Rubio shirt and a Ron DeSantis hat. However, like Ben said, all the police reports now say that that is total BS. There was in fact only one attacker or wasn't a group of attackers and it had nothing to do with politics whatsoever according to this report and under upon further scrutiny this guy who they're hailing as this sort of uh you know this martyr almost of this guy who was attacked for the republican cause actually happens to be a known white supremacist who was at the 2017 unite the right rally in charlottesville that's the rally where we saw people going around with tiki torches somebody was actually killed that was the jews will not replace us and this is the person who the Republican Party and Marco Rubio and Fox News, literally as we speak, they are running pieces about this guy as a victim. They are putting him up there as a pedestal and as, oh, look at the violent left who attacked this person. A totally fake, totally bullshit narrative, a complete 
and utter hoax. And also we have footage, right? So we have footage here of the guy at the Unite the Right rally. And I'll play you footage of the guy who they are putting forth as their Republican hero right now, who was attacked by the evil left. Once again, total hoax, but this footage is very real. I intend to stand for the South and die for it if need be. They will not replace us. So just the full-on white supremacist. Then Rubio, at least at the time of this recording, still has not taken out down that tweet. That guy, Monzon, Monzon, he was arrested actually in August 2017 after charging at a crowd with a Confederate flag during a Confederate street name protest in Hollywood. Um, like we said, he was an attendee during that deadly 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. He basically goes from white supremacist event to white supremacist event, and that that's what they're doing there. I mean, <laughs> I mean when, just, when reporters actually tried to interview him at the hospital, I think there were people at uh, the, the Proud Boys were there. They couldn't they couldn't get in to interview the person. It just shows you how deeply connected these rep the Republican base is with, you know, the sort of anti-Semitic white supremacist movement in this country. Brett, you were talking about I agree with you, Jordy. Um, Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brett, you're talking about young people voting. Um, you know, also, I think the big decisive decision maker here, I think women are going to save the world again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you have just for example, kind of to the counterpoint, you have um, MAGA Republicans like Lauren Boebert saying um, these are policies they're going to pursue as well, that women are the lesser vessel vessel and need masculinity in our lives to balance the so-called weakness. That's like what they're out there talking about. I'm so proud that we had uh, Adam Frisch, her Democratic opponent, who's like, if there was a party called the Get Stuff Done Party, that's yeah. the party I would be a part of, you know, and you have Lauren Boebert just, just saying things like that. I mean, it's just such an embarrassment. It's such a, it's such a disgrace. And I want to play, let's play that clip if you, if you have that, Brett, and then uh, Jordy, you can comment. First, wasn't your mind just blown by just the contrast between someone like an Adam Frisch? That, that's why I, and Lauren Boebert, that's why I love that he's pushing forward this message of elect the pro normal party. And that's why I hate this whole kind of left right paradigm that the media and that these people try to do. Like, like you'll have Ted Cruz go out there and, and you'll see this a lot in, in a lot of debates, you know, and, and a lot of right wing networks still go, that's the left for you. That's the violent left. That's the left, the left, the left, the left, the left. You're like, what do you, you mean people who just want to have their votes counted? Mm -hmm. You mean people who just <laughs> accept the results of the previous election? You mean people who want to take COVID seriously and not die? Is that the left or is that really the middle of the country that cares about common sense issues? And you are so far to the right that you cannot even see that or you're just being disingenuous. And when we say so far to the right, this Lauren Boebert clip in that you mentioned is the perfect example of this. This is absolutely despicable. Here's the clip. We are created equal. We're not the same. Women are the lesser vessel and we need masculinity in our lives to to balance that, uh, that so-called weakness, you know, just just us being more frail and um, and needing that strength in our life. I mean, Women. you know, I'm I'm speechless after watching, you know, things like that and and other statements that are made on. I mean, consistently, that is that view right there is now a mainstream right. Republican view. And I've been doing these videos, Brett, about how there's mass exodus away from 
uh, away from MAGA Republicans. And I've just been hearing from literally now tens of thousands of people who are sharing their comments. So I, I believe it's probably significantly greater than that. I mean, literally tens of thousands of people have shared stories and they've said, look, I was I, I was I was a Republican. I was an independent. I, I didn't really care about politics or I voted split ticket. But I can't vote for a cult. I, I can't vote for this weird, dangerous stuff. Like I, I, I'm not, you know, maybe when the two political parties become, there's uh, only one that supports democracy now. Maybe when Republicans come around and support democracy and don't deny the results of elections and there's free and fair elections, you know, maybe then I'll go back to really, you know, you know, splitting the ticket. But right now I, I can't support this extremist mentality. Jordy. It's something we also often say on the show. It's like we're not Democrats because we like the donkey logo or Democrats because the Democrats are the only, you know, adults in the room at this point. And Bobert's comments are just infuriating one and two it just it leaves me utterly speechless like i don't i don't know how you could be from her district watch her make these comments and then in good faith say i want to vote for this person i I'll want tell you to how. be I, my I elected the official the the answer is is because they are kept in these disinfo silos right and you have mainstream media both sides in the issues and then you have their fascist media injecting propaganda into their veins each and every day. And so you got the propaganda, you got the propaganda radio, you know, you know, wherever they go, they're being literally told things that are completely false. Like they're being told, look, every president took nuclear records, duh. And they just hide them in Chinese laundromats. Like, oh, uh, that's what you do, you know. And then in the past, you'd have a situation where both political parties would say no. No, that's that is wrong, and we don't we don't support people who say that. But now you got the Republican Party and people like Ted Cruz go. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you something, okay? Every president stole nuclear secrets and they hide them in laundromats, okay? And, and here's what I want you to do: I wrote a new book, and my new book is the definitive book on January sixth. True. And all of you need to go and purchase it, and then look at my podcast and check out my book. And like you're a senator, you, you, you take your oath seriously or become a podcaster. That is the big difference right now where you have a major political party in the Republicans who are now MAGA Republicans who don't give a crap about democracy. That's why we have this network. That's why we push back on it at each and every turn. And, you know, you look at things that that are going on because of their conduct, like What's happening in Maricopa County, right, where we are literally seeing these like I don't want to call them even militia because I think that I think that that that's light. They're terrorists. They're sitting there terrorizing people. They're sitting there next to uh, Dropbox locations and sitting there and like and like photographing them and they cover their faces. Like look, and here and that's kind of the other point. If you're if you're with it. Right. If you're with it, <laughs> then be with it. Take off your mask. Yeah. Yeah. If you're with it, be with it. Right. Like, like they're also cowards. You know, these MAGA Republicans. Ironically, the anti-mask crew suddenly uh, figured out how to wear a mask. They wear the masks. Yeah. Motor COVID, oh, no masks. But when it comes to. If no, you're, you're right. Proud, if you're about it, be about it. You know, you're proud. You're, you're there. You're, you're a proud boy. You're, you're a proud boy. 
Come on, take off your mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you you are. Know, submit the evidence, submit your declarations, submit your whatever, you know, but you're covering up yourself, you know, because you know that you're a terrorist. You know that you are a terrorist and that you work for a terrorist political party now. And there's just no other way. And, and it pains me to say this because I want there to be normal discussions. But you literally have a political party that endorses not just stochastic terrorism, Brett, but like actual terrorism, like actual full-fledged insurrection terrorism. And I, I wish for a day where there'll be a normal political party and can talk and we can have debates over you know, certain policies and how far do you go with this policy and what should be, you know, wh where do we do tax cuts? So look, I think that we'll win on those issues because when you speak to Americans and you go, hey, American workers, you're, are you a billionaire? Are you a millionaire? Okay, here's here's the, here's the choice. We can focus on helping you out, raise your wages, give you health care. We could focus on lowering prescription drugs, make education more affordable to you. And when it comes to tax cuts and when it comes to benefits, we're also going to focus on you. We're not going to ignore you. We believe that you are important also and that we want to make sure that we have middle up. But I'll give you this choice, Americans. I'll give you this choice. Alternatively, rather than doing all those things for you, here's what I can do. I can give it to your CEO because I believe in trickle down. And it's my view that if I give your CEO all of the benefits and they can buy more yachts and more mansions, not just the ones they have, and more private jets, and they could just, they're making 500X your salary, they got to make. 2000X. Don't you agree? So shouldn't I do a policy that helps out those billionaires and DECA millionaires get richer? It's your choice. Should I help you or should I help them? How do people go, you know what? Trickle it down on me, baby. Trickle, trickle it down. I hope, I hope that, you know, I could get the crumbs. Please give me the crumbs of the CEO. I dream of crumbs versus being treated with respect for the hard work that I put in. Who the freak believes in that? Who, who, who the hell says, yeah, give, give it to the... I want to have those debates. I want to have those discussions. But now you have MAGA Republicans who talk about not even trickle it down. They want to totally exploit. It's not even trickle down. It's like totally just exploit and steal and rip you off. And there are a bunch of terrorists and insurrectionists and, and election deniers. So we have to align... We have to stand up for the truth with the people. We have to convey it the way I just did. Brett, I'll give you a final word, but I think I kind of wrapped it up there. Huh? That's it right I, there. I mean, I, I think you kind of crushed it, but I, I just want to say when, when, you call them <laughs> when you call them terrorists, I mean, legitimately, we have at least a half a dozen members of the Proud Boys, current and former members of the Proud Boys, have actually secured seats on the Miami-Dade Republican Executive Committee. They have a leadership role in the Florida Republican Party, the Proud Boys, a group that is considered a terrorist organization in Canada and should be here, by the way. They have at least a half a dozen seats on the Miami-Dade Republican Executive Committee, and not a single Republican will call that out. And if me being against that puts me on the left, then consider me on the left proudly. And when you have people who are actively 
trying to take away your voting rights, take away your social security and your Medicare, actively trying to ban abortion, ban contraception, ban same-sex marriage. Heck, they don't even say men and women are equal. They think women are a lesser vessel. If being against those ideas puts me on the left, then consider me proudly on the left. But I consider myself to be the majority with the majority of Americans here. And I know our audience is the majority of Americans in these beliefs. And that's why we all need to get out there and we need to show up in numbers greater than anybody has ever imagined and not let these people gaslight you into losing because far too much is at stake. Hey, Brett, look, the trickle-down stuff does... Like you could literally show the statistics of where the economy was under Democratic administrations and where they were under Republican administrations. Like there's literally stats on who's better at dealing with the deficit. Well, you got Biden decreasing the deficit and Trump increasing the deficit. You know, and that's a consistent theme in all these administrations. Where are more jobs being created? Where are jobs being lost? Like it's just in the data. It's in the numbers. And then you get the Larry Kudlaws, the same people who are saying. COVID's not even going to come on our shores. It's done. We're good. We're good. You know, and just say, hey, what, what they're doing in the UK, Liz Truss's policies, uh, incredible. You know, that's what we need. That's what we need to do more here. After their, like right before their economy literally collapses and then she gets removed. Like they're, they're, they're just wrong about literally everything. I want us, Jordy, anything you want to say before I wrap it up? Are you good? I just want to say y'all, y'all are, are spot on, but very funny. And I love you guys for this reason, because you both refuse to let each other have the last word. So anytime, Ben, you kick it to Brett for the last word, you then <laughs> put in the last word again. And it's just something I've observed over the course of doing this podcast that I love it. And I love you guys. Jordy, I agree with you. We love you too. We love the Midas <laughs> Mighty. And now if you want to help out the Midas Touch Network, here's what you can do. Please go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We are not funded by millionaires or billionaires. In fact, we have zero outside investors. We are pu purely fueled by democracy and we are powered by you. So if you want to help grow this platform, there's a number of exclusive membership tiers there as well. You can join one of the membership tiers with all of this incredible exclusive content, um, but it will help grow the network. Brett, you have like a funny smile on you, but go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. What were you going to say? I, I just thought of a great little competition that we could have as we sign off this episode. So, you know, you heard some hot takes from from Ben, from me, from Jordy today. And I think we could do a little vote. And here's how we could do the vote. So if you want to actually sign up for our political action efforts, you know, as we head into these final couple weeks of the election, you could stay on track. We could, we figured out how to text people now, which is pretty cool. We could actually text you information about our political action efforts. And here's how you do it. You could text right now, 67400, and you text one of our names. So if you're a Jordy fan, you could text Jordy to 67. 400. If so, you're a Brit. So, so I mean, uh, just so I'm clear, it's 60, 67, 400 text Jordy. Text Brett, actually. So everyone should text Brett to 67400. Unless you're a Ben fan, then you could text Ben to 67400. But do that right now. You'll be in the loop on all of our efforts as we approach the most important midterms of our lifetime. And if you just want to stay neutral, if you just want to be completely neutral and not take a side, Okay, I'll have some respect. I'll for be that. humble here. I'm okay with my people want to vote for Jordy. I'm okay with that. Pick a side, definitely. Pick a side. <laughs> okay, pick, pick okay. a side. Jordy okay. <laughs> <Jordy Nope>. to. <laughs> 
Anyway, but oh, going okay. back to my Patreon ad read, Brett, please check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. It will go a long way to help. And I always get asked, what can I do? How can I be helpful to grow this thing wherever you are in the world? Sign up at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We are on our way to 2,000 patrons in about two months since we started it. And I really want to get to that 2000 number. So if you can help sign up, it'd be great. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Also check out store.midastouch.com. That's the sound of a flash sale. That's a flash sale. Uh, 30% off of Row Row Your Vote shirts and Rovember shirts. If you order now, that's 30% off Row Row Your Vote and Rovember at store.midastouch.com com and that's really all i got oh hit the subscribe button please um subscribe to this youtube channel if you're not subscribed to the youtube channel you know it's free to subscribe so just literally hit the subscribe button and wherever you get your audio podcast um make sure you subscribe there as well to the youtube listeners check out the audio to the audio listeners check out our youtube um and leave a five-star review on the audio that helps a long way too tell people you know about your experience listening to the uh midas touch podcast uh and just check out on the audio as well okay jordy is now apparently taking over because it says jordy to 67 400 jordy is trying to i don't know how Jordy's it happened trying to take happened. His vote, but taking look, away your I, access i, I want to just say thank you to all of the midas mighty none of this is possible without you what i love about this community is that after we listen to these podcasts we then go and take action so let's encourage others to vote let's get involved let's keep on registering voters anything that we can do before the election let's keep it going jordy i'll turn it to you for the final words shout out to the midas mighty at midas touch we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability that's why we're spreading our message to convict 45 that's right gear up right now with your convict 45 t's and pins at store.midastouch.com that's store.midastouch.com